Hey, Fidelity, can I get a second opinion on stocks in the Fidelity app? With Fidelity, it's easy to get an outside opinion from independent experts in a single score. And then? When you're ready, trade U.S. stocks and ETFs with no commissions. That's right. I am always right. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity account. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. It's Tuesday, March 24th. I'm Akila Hughes. And I'm Gideon Resnick. And this is What a Day, where we've recently stopped training for beach volleyball in the 2020 Olympics. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was never going to make the team. So this is actually kind of good news for me. (laughs) On today's show, a conversation with an FCC commissioner about internet access, then some headlines. But first, the latest. Hi, everybody. It's Danny DeVito. And I'm asking you from the bottom of my heart, all over the state of New York, stay home. Yeah, thank you, short King Danny DeVito, for the reminder. (laughs) Uh, But back to the news. All right, so we've been talking a lot about the stimulus package being worked on in Congress over the last few days. Gideon, where are they on that? Oh, boy. Okay, so yesterday, Democrats again blocked the approximately $2 trillion coronavirus rescue bill from Republicans. But negotiations are still ongoing late into the evening as we record. So we'll see where things end up. But I think it's important to go back to what some of the sticking points have been here. Democrats say the Senate Republican bill being offered is focused too much on getting money to companies and not nearly enough on workers and health care providers. Democrats are also expressing concerns about the lack of transparency in terms of which businesses would receive loans and the way in which the Trump administration would disperse those loans. Again, not a lot of trust there. Mm-hmm. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said that he is continuing to negotiate with Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin to get a deal that has worker protections and more guardrails for the giant fund of money that's at the heart of this bill. I should also mention, though, that the overall relief package also would send $1,200 to most American adults and $500 for children, with another chunk of money carved out for small businesses to help with payroll. Got it. All right. But let's talk about that giant fund of money everyone is debating. All right. So it's a $425 billion fund that the Federal Reserve can use to make loans to various companies, plus other money for industry loans. So what's the main concern? Yeah. So some people are referring to it as a slush fund. Obviously, that's not a positive term for it. (laughs) But the main concern is that Democrats worry that companies that get that money could use it to assist themselves and or lay off workers in the process, that there's not enough oversight. There. And additionally, they don't want to give Mnuchin the ability to decide which companies get the money. He could turn around and say, you know, this goes to the Trump Hotel or it goes towards <laughs> making 10 more Suicide Squad movies, oh, which God. <laughs> we certainly as a society do not need. According to the New York Times, as the bill is written at the moment, Mnuchin would only have to say who the recipients were of the money six months after the loans were actually dispersed. So that is kind of the Cliff Notes version on some of the back and forth at the moment. But broadly speaking, senators were kind of pissed at each other all day about this. And in the meantime, House Democrats introduced their own version with a bigger cash payment for Americans, plus more money for hospitals and small businesses. Great. I'm glad someone's introducing an alternative. Um, By Monday, enough states had mandated stay-at-home orders that more than 150 million Americans are now being told to stay at home. Uh, Also, the country reported more than 100 deaths from the coronavirus 
dollars in a single day. Yet Trump seems to be suggesting that he wants to start um, restarting the economy. <laughs> like that's the focus. Yeah, apparently. I mean, the first loud hit that we got was was Trump sending this tweet over the weekend where he said in all caps on Sunday night, quote, we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself. Okay, (laughs) but to be clear, the practice of social distancing is being urged by his own health officials and elected officials across the United States. And last week, even the White House put out guidance urging people to avoid large gatherings social distance and work from home for at least 15 days until March 30th. But even still, yesterday, Trump went further at his daily press conference saying, quote, our country wasn't built to be shut down. Americans will again and soon be open for business. I can't stress this enough. This is not what <laughs> professionals are saying. And the idea of of weighing the, you know, quote unquote, reopening of an economy in this current situation seems uh, just flatly insane. But meanwhile, former Vice President Joe Biden finally got his home studio set up after WAD, I might add, uh, to (laughs) criticize the response from the Trump administration so far. Yeah, to be fair, we're really good at this. (laughs) But also, yeah, I don't I really don't understand. um, Like if most people die, how's that going to help the economy? Anyway, it won't. That was a look at where things stand domestically. What else is going on in the world? Well, a lot. We, we won't get to all of it, but some of the key things. A member of the International Olympic Committee, Dick Pound, yes, that is his name, <laughs> said that the 2020 Games in Tokyo are going to be postponed. We will update you on a formal announcement if and when it comes. And then British Prime Minister Boris Johnson announced on Monday that the country would be closing non-essential shops, banning meetings of more than two people, and going into lockdown, essentially. And that's kind of akin to what France and Germany have done. But speaking of Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel tested negative for COVID-19 after being exposed to an infected doctor. A bit of good news for sure. Mm -hmm. And in India, authorities are grounding all domestic flights and also going into a form of lockdown. So if you want to and you are able to help out with the crisis, Crooked has an easy way for you to do that through our Coronavirus Relief Fund. The money goes to help groups providing critical support to food banks, healthcare workers, restaurant workers, seniors, kids who depend on school lunches, and others during this crisis. So donate at crooked.com slash coronavirus. We've talked a bit about how school closures during this pandemic are challenging for lots of people, like underprivileged children who depend on school lunch every day, parents trying to figure out childcare if they still have to go to work, or parents who are working from home but now have to double as teachers. Some 50 million kids are at home right now, and they're relying on digital classes to continue their education. But another wrinkle has arisen. It's the expectation that school districts across America have equal internet access and literacy for students and teachers to end the school year on a high note. Spoiler alert, they don't. There is a very real gap in access. The Federal Communications Commission, or the FCC, is responsible for regulating internet service providers. So to get a better sense of the stakes here and a clearer picture of steps the government can take, we spoke with FCC Commissioner Jessica Rosenworcel, who has been a longtime advocate for making the internet more accessible, even when we aren't in an unprecedented public health crisis. We've got a digital divide in this country. We've got Mm -hmm. a lot of people who don't have internet access at home. And it's really hard to participate in modern life if you don't. I mean, how are kids gonna have a fair shot at even doing their homework in this environment? I mean, when I was growing up for homework, I needed a paper, a pencil, and my brother leaving me alone. (laughs) You know, those days are just gone. Now you need internet access. 
And the Senate Joint Economic Committee says there are 12 million kids across the country who don't have internet access and can't do their homework. And now we've got more than 50 million kids who've been sent home from school, and so many of them need to go online for class. So this digital divide, it's real, and there are definitely kids across this country that are hurting right now because of it. For sure. All right. So you, you mentioned this, but, you know, a bunch of states have ordered all their schools closed to stop the pandemic and, or the spread of it. And, you know, with that, they're expecting students to continue their school year from home uh, by going online. And so um, I guess what we're wondering is, like, what specifically is the FCC doing to make sure every child in America can continue their education? Is there something planned? Is something happening? I know these are such unprecedented days, but I have been making a ruckus and trying to get my colleagues at the FCC to agree to something. And that's this. We should use our power that we have to help schools across the country get connected to the Internet to now help Mm. them loan out Wi-Fi hotspots to students who don't have broadband at home. Because Mm. they take one of those hotspots home, it could mean the difference between keeping up in class or falling behind. And I think it's something we need to look at because these are days that require us to figure out how to use our law creatively so that we can get more people connected because the digital divide, which has always been a hard truth in this country, it's just going to hit more kids in harder ways than ever before. How are your colleagues at the FCC responding to that idea? Is that something that's popular, that's like there's motion on? Well, there's a little bit of motion. I don't think I've convinced a majority of them, but I know on Capitol Hill, they're doing a lot of work on this homework gap issue and trying to see if they can put some money towards it in the next coronavirus stimulus bill. And Mm -hmm. I really want to see that happen as soon as possible. I mean, they just announced outside of Washington, D.C., that the entire state of Virginia is closing its schools for the rest of the year. Just like pause and what that means If you're a kid and you don't have internet access and your school is migrated online, how are you going to keep up? How are you going to thrive? How are you going to return in the fall to class and be in the same place as your peers? We, this is within our power to fix. We can't fix everything now, but this is something Mm -hmm. we could make a meaningful difference and we should. To, To shift gears ever so slightly to another topic that we wanted to talk about with you. In Europe, Netflix and YouTube are reducing streaming quality for the next month to keep the internet from kind of collapsing because of the increase in in usage. Is America's internet prepared for all of us to be online all the time? Those of us who are working from home and, you know, these students that are perhaps going to have to be doing the same? Yeah, such a good question. We are doing a giant stress test on our nation's Mm -hmm. networks. Normally we just see this kind of stress regionally if we've got power outages or a major hurricane, but here we are as a nation going online for school, for work, for healthcare. And I think it's important for the FCC and the government in Washington to produce some data every day about how our networks are faring, because let's figure out where they're under strain so that we can address those issues because this is complicated, keeping a nation online. And I think mm-hmm. we've got to start taking some data down to do it well. Yeah. And, and to that end, is it known already? Or is there a way to ascertain if there are bottlenecks that are starting to happen? Our networks are pretty complicated. I mean, if you've got a slowdown, it could be the platform you're using online. It could be your Wi-Fi router. It mm-hmm. could be 
the virtual private network that your employer wants you to use, but was never scaled for your whole office to be at home. So there's Mm -hmm. so many different points of stress in our networks. We got to identify what's working and what's not so we can build more resilient networks in the future because we're all going to be online and it looks like we're going to be online for a while. So let's know where those points of failure are so we can address them. And I wanted to ask quickly on the topic of the data collection that you were mentioning, would there be a means by which the FCC can sort of apply standards and practices based on that data collection in the short term while people are continuing to deal with um, the increased internet usage due to COVID-19? So the FCC often sets up a system, if we've had a major hurricane or a power outage, to collect data about cell towers that are down, 911 when it doesn't work, where people can and can't get service. And it's really useful because it's a tally of what's working, what's not working, what do we have to fix? It just seems to me in this crisis, we should be doing something really similar. And we can customize it for the fact that this isn't about a weather event, but this is about a nation going online in unprecedented ways. And I think that the agency should be reporting on it because otherwise we'll just have some scattershot data from around the country. But wouldn't it be better for our nation's infrastructure if we really knew what was happening all across the country? That's that's what I'd like to see the FCC do. Yeah, and that's a really good point. Um, you know, sort of speaking of solutions or ways that in businesses can sort of help with that. You know, internet service providers like Comcast, AT&T, T-Mobile, a few others have suspended their data caps, you know, which is something they obviously could have been doing already, but <laughs> that's a conversation for another day. Um, but they've also signed a pledge to not disconnect anyone for 60 days. They're going to w- waive late fees. You know, do you think that that's going to be enough to make sure everyone is able to get online and stay online through the crisis? Do you think they should be doing more? Yeah. Um, first, let's let's give a round of applause for the broadband providers and wireless companies that have decided they're not going to cut folks off and they're going to expand access to Wi-Fi routers and waive late fees. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned, some of them are also suspending data caps, and that's good and important too. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's clear to me is that we need a nationwide plan. I don't want to just count on their generosity. We need the justice of figuring out how people everywhere can be connected fairly. And so Mm -hmm. when we get to the other side of this, let's make sure we have a plan to connect all, because I don't want us to be in a situation where we just rely on their generosity. I think we really need to have the justice of knowing that there's a plan to connect everyone in this country. All right. So this is sort of just, I think, the biggest question, you know, how do you think that COVID-19 is going to change the way we think about the internet, the regulation of it, connectivity going forward? I mean, you did mention on the other side of this, you know, we have to maybe do some of that work we didn't do preparing, right? But uh, do you think that there will be this shift towards justice, you know, and and equality in access? Absolutely. I mean, when we come out from this, Tell me the person who's going to say that broadband isn't a necessary good. Like, we've treated it like a luxury in this country. We've limited Mm. our oversight. We made a mistake, I think, when we rolled back net neutrality. We're going to come out on the other side of this and say that this stuff is as necessary as mail, as water, as so much other essential infrastructure. And we got to figure out how to make it robust and reach everyone. 
I think if there were any doubters to that agenda before, I don't think there'll be any left after this experience. That was FCC Commissioner Jessica Rosenworcel. Thanks for keeping an eye on the internet when we need it more than ever. It's Tuesday, Wad Squad. Tuesday it is, and uh, we're all checking in and chatting about ways to relax, fun systems we're creating to keep our spirits up inside our houses, and giving recommendations for media to consume in this meantime. Does it sound chill? Great. <laughs> so Gideon, what's the weirdest thing you've eaten on this break? Oh, man. Um, I had a... I've had a lot of gluten-free items unintentionally, Mm. I realized, I, like when I was at the grocery store last week, I was like, oh, there's loaves of bread. There's all of these nice frozen easy dinners. I'm lucking out. And uh, when I started eating them and like looking at the packaging, I was like, huh, gluten-free bread, gluten-free Annie's uh, tofu sesame <laughs> chicken dish. All right, chill. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I could do a lot worse. But same question. What weird pantry remnants are you eating uh, a normal or recommended amount of? Okay, so first thing, (laughs) I do think it's wild that, like, all this gluten stuff was, or gluten-free stuff was, like, gone, and now I guess everybody's allergies is gone? I don't know. (laughs) Um, But uh, I've been eating just, like, snacks. Um, I bought this cheese for a party like a couple weeks ago, and I thought for sure it would have gone bad. But today I looked at it, and it was still good. Oh. And I had some Triscuits. Oh. Not sponsored. <laughs> and so I think it's not necessarily weird, but it is like lucky. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, if I found old cheese and it was still good, that's that's a great that's a great day to me. You yeah, know? when I'm rummaging in the trash and I find good cheese, <laughs> I feel good about my life. I'll take that W. Yeah, and this was Life During Lockdown. So thanks for kicking it with us and tweet at us if you have some weird foods and recipes you've been testing. Bonus points if it actually tastes good. What a day is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She absolutely deserves the best. And that's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, your wife, your auntie, even your granny, okay? Anyone who deserves flowers in your life mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be holiday specific. You get flowers, you're getting flowers, <laughs> everyone's getting flowers. <laughs> Go to books.com and use promo code WAD for 25% off. That is B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code WAD, books, promo code WAD. What a Day is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers. They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Plus, Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. We love fast-growing trees here. I keep telling you that the many plants that I've gotten from these folks are yet hanging on. Um, And that's not because I have a green thumb, okay? 
This spring, fast-growing trees, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code WAD at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code WAD at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code WAD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. What a Day is brought to you by Ulta Beauty. This AAPI Heritage Month, Ulta Beauty is celebrating the joy of belonging, belonging to a community composed of intricate connections, belonging to our past and our future, to the heritage and birthright that is beauty. Ulta Beauty shines a light on the AAPI community, passing the mic to brand founders and creators to tell their stories centered on heritage, joy, and beauty. They carry AAPI-owned and founded brands like Live Tinted, Peach and Lily, Glamnetic, Tree Hut, and more. Shop AAPI-owned and founded brands at Ulta Beauty Stores and Ulta.com. Let's wrap up with some headlines. Headlines. California's largest utility, Pacific Gas and Electric, announced its plans to plead guilty to involuntary manslaughter following the deadliest fire in the state's history. As a refresher, faulty PG&E equipment sparked the campfire, which burned through towns in Northern California in 2018 and led to the loss of 80 lives. Facing mounting lawsuits at the time, PG&E filed for bankruptcy last year in part to set up a fund for the fire's victims. Just last week, California Governor Gavin Newsom said he was willing to approve PG&E's plan to emerge from bankruptcy, which includes paying out a total of $13.5 billion. Awesome. All right. (laughs) New Jersey is set to release over a thousand inmates from its jails in an attempt to curb the spread of COVID-19. The state's chief justice authorized the release of people serving time for probation violations and other low-level crimes. Inmates will start being released this morning and are encouraged to remain quarantined for 14 days. Other cities, such as New York, Cleveland, and Tulsa, have plans to release sick or vulnerable detainees, but so far nothing has been done on this scale. Health and prison officials have been warning the public about the heightened risks of an outbreak spreading behind bars, so it's good to see New Jersey listening to the experts. Indeed. When former New York City Mayor Mike Bloomberg hired campaign staff last year, part of the draw was that they get paid through November 2020 to support the Democratic nominee, even if it wasn't Bloomberg. That hasn't panned out, with Bloomberg laying off hundreds of workers after he dropped out in March and more last week. And now two staff members have filed class action lawsuits. The lawsuits say that Bloomberg hired them under false pretenses and has left them vulnerable in the face of a pandemic. Bloomberg's team says their original plan to form a super PAC to support the nominee would be less effective than just giving money to the DNC, which is what they're doing now to the tune of $18 million. Funny, because $18 million is what Bloomberg spent to run 25 ads on one episode of The Masked Singer. And look how far that got him. Okay, uh, Alcohol brands have begun producing a new kind of cocktail called hand sanitizer in response to shortages. Beer giant Anheuser-Busch will use existing infrastructure to make and donate one million bottles of hand sani, while Tito's Vodka is producing 6,500 gallons of its own hand cleanser a few weeks after dispelling a social media myth that their vodka could be used as the main ingredient in home-brewed Purell alternatives. Great to see some alcohol companies stepping up. Now we just need Four loco to start making masks and White Claw to make ventilators, and we'll have the situation halfway under control. This is what the Defense Production Act is for, alcohol companies making us masks. <laughs> I hope so. And uh, those are the headlines. That's all for today. If you like the show, make sure you subscribe, leave a review, discover our podcast in 50,000 years to learn about our species, and tell your friends to listen. 
And if you're into reading and not just stolen street signs and dorm rooms like me, What a Day is also a nightly newsletter. Check it out and subscribe at cricket.com slash subscribe. I'm Akila Hughes. I'm Gideon Resnick. And, and give, give us $10, $10 if you're, if you're Mike, Mike Bloomberg. Bloomberg. You heard us, Mike. Do it. I want that money. <laughs> What a Day is a product of Crooked Media. It's recorded and mixed by Charlotte Landis. Sonia Tun is our assistant producer. Our head writer is John Milstein, and our senior producer is Katie Long. Our theme music is by Colin Gilliard and Kashaka. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made in Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made in. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made in Cookware. With my busy life, I use shipped same-day delivery to keep up. When I need a jar of extra creamy peanut butter delivered, I know my personal shopper Amber will come through. And if it's not on the shelf, she asks them to check the back. Shipped. Delight in every delivery. Learn more at shipped.com.